So before we get underway with this surprise pod, we just want to let you guys know that one of our mics decided to blow up in the middle of the podcast, and we didn't realize that the audio sounded like shit until it was over. Um, so just a quick warning, my voice is a little bit lower than Psalms. Yeah, but you guys like my voice a lot better anyway, so, so this, is a, this is a present to you guys, a late Christmas present. So forgive us, next week this issue will be resolved. Um, so enjoy. Enjoy. Psalm, I have a question for you. Yeah, go ahead. What better Christmas present than a surprise podcast? Oh, nothing, dude. There's that nothing is, better than this. That might be the best Christmas present. Yeah. Um, we're back. Episode 25. I know we said we weren't going to record this week, but we got a little shout out on Twitter from at Tactics FC. Um, what an honor. What an honor, honestly. Yeah, that was that was pretty cool. Of and we were, put, we, were, we were put in good company with... It, uh, yeah, yeah, definitely with uh with the Chelsea podcast and uh, London, London is, is blue. blue. Yeah, We're good friends at London is blue. So, um, obviously that's very humbling. Yeah, it is humbling. I mean, mostly because those guys shit on our podcast. For the most <laughs> part, but. but to be like in the same category as them for at least one thing, I mean, that's it's pretty cool, right? Yeah, I love it. I mean, and we enjoyed some good banter, right? Oh, we love it. Tactics FC told us that uh they like to give the youth a chance. Oh, so. That was a very clever. I'll take that as a compliment. I mean, compliment. youth. Yeah, we're we got the we we're got the spunk. Fa- we're a fairly young podcast, um, but anyways, yeah. I mean, we're back and we have match reviews and match previews. This is going to be our last pod of 2017. Damn. Um, so look out for our podcast next week. Uh, we'll most likely be dropping it on Tuesday instead of Monday because I'm going to Mexico to get sloppy drunk on. Orale. By the way, uh, for all of our British and Canadian listeners, uh, happy Boxing Day! Oh yeah, because yeah. uh, today we're 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 recording today on Boxing Day, and you know, yes. Boxing Day is one of the greatest days for soccer, honestly. And today was such a great day. Um, and not just the Chelsea match; there were a lot of good matches today. Growing um, up in America, I never understood what Boxing Day was. The only thing about Boxing Day that I understood was. It was after Christmas. All the Premier League teams play <laughs> on Boxing Day. So I, like, I still don't know what Boxing Day is, to be honest. I don't know what the purpose is. Someone let us know. Like, I honestly have no idea. Yeah, we sound really ignorant right now, but I would love to, I'd love to be educated by one of you guys listening. Maybe Chris from Denmark knows. Oh, yeah. I mean, Chris I don't know Denmark, if they... If you're listening, like, let us know. They like, probably don't celebrate it in Denmark, but... I don't know if they celebrate but... Boxing Day or not. We got enough. We got enough British listeners. They they, they celebrate Andreas Christensen Day. Oh yeah, that's that's future, like every day. Future captain leader legend <laughs> Andreas Christensen. Um, but yeah, I mean, we obviously got some match reviews for you, so I think we should just dive right into it. Right. Um, so we have Chelsea two, Bournemouth one, uh, Capital One Cup match. That was the quarterfinals. Antonio Conte actually hinted that uh, he was going to give the youth a chance, and uh, and he did so. Mm-hmm. Um. We had Kennedy and Ampadu slot into the lineup, which is always nice. Um, so, I mean, really quick, what do you think about the performance of Ethan Ampadu? Because obviously, this was this was the highlight of the match for Chelsea fans. Well, I mean, ju- he justifiably was man of the match, uh, and you know, it, and it's it's really crazy. Because I mean, I did talk about it last week, and I said his performance um, in the. I forgot which match, the Everton match, or was it? No, it wasn't Everton. Mm-hmm. Um, it was the match that he came in and gave up that last goal. Um, I forget who that I think it was against, I forget who it was, but anyway. Huddersfield. Uh, right, right, Huddersfield, yeah. thanks. And then, um, you know, I, I said maybe 
center back is not the position for him. But um, I also followed that up by saying he only played for about 20 minutes. So it's really unfair for me to make that judgment right now. But at that point in time, that's how I felt. But I think after this match, it's pretty obvious that he is very comfortable playing um, with that back three. Um, and I, I mean, what do you think? You think he's gonna he's gonna make it big or? Um, a couple of things stood out for me watching him. Um, I actually saw a lot of similarities with Andreas Christensen, believe it or not. Um, in terms of both the youth and the composure aspect. So, Ampadu is obviously a very different player. Um. I think he could be a ball-playing center back. I personally think that he, I mean, he looked really good at midfield, but as a center back, he looked pretty solid as well, which is kind of surprising considering, like you said, I mean, the Huddersfield match, he came in and kind of struggled. But you kind of give him um, the benefit of the doubt just because, you know, he's coming into a Premier League match, you know, with 10 minutes to go, the other team's chasing the game. So obviously he's going to have, you know, some sort of trouble, but. I think he's a proper footballer. Uh, mm. His composure on the ball is great. He has a wonderful range of passing. He had 100% pass accuracy in this match. Um, and, you know, the thing I love about him the most, personally, is his willingness to tackle hard. Right. I mean, yeah, we we didn't saw he that. He injured Jermaine Defoe, didn't he? I feel like he's injured someone almost every match that he's played <laughs> yeah, in. Feel, that's or, a second injury in three appearances for the club. So. Good, great job. That's, I mean, that's that's the Welsh. That's the Welsh in him. Not really giving up. But but that's but that's that's what lower league football does for you, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like it, it's mostly physical, and and the game goes by very fast, and you have to assert yourself, um, with, with physicality, and, and that's exactly what Ethan Ampadu does, and the thing. The thing is, he's not very big, right? Um, he's not your prototypical center back. He's not your prototypical six in the sense that um, he's strong and big. Um, he just, he, I don't know. I, I, I can't quite put my finger on it, but he's just so crafty with his tackling. But when he does go into a challenge, he goes all in. And that's something that's really refreshing from my standpoint. Um, I think he's going to make it um, into the Chelsea eleven eventually. Um, I just think it's a matter of time. Maybe a loan would do him some good mm -hmm. um, once David Luiz gets healthy. With and a buyback clause, please. No, <laughs> well, well, on loan. Oh, on loan. Saying, okay. yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm saying send him on loan. If, if we sell him, I will officially lose faith in the club hierarchy. No, we, we won't. I think he's a stud. Um, although he needs a haircut, I'm a big fan of his. You don't like the hair? The hair's uh, cool, right? Rasta Welsh, it's man. Kind of Rastafarian, right? Like, like, like it's pretty cool, but. Um, I don't, how do you wash hair like that? I think you you don't wash it every day. Honestly, you have no, to. No, no, but but like when you do wash it, like do you, you can't scrub because it's dreads. Like yeah, of course not. Hair. I don't know. He, he's a good someone guy. someone who is listening with dreads. Please uh let us know. He's a nice David Luiz look alike. Yeah, and <laughs> I actually think that in the long run I will like him more than David Luiz because yes, I have given him shit in the past, <laughs> and uh. So let's talk about a little bit about the match because um, yeah, we yeah. started off um, William scoring again. Um, this is he scored in the last um, uh, EFL or this is the Carabao Cup, right? Yeah, yeah. No, new the formerly yeah, yeah, yeah the Carabao Cup. He he scored in both of his appearances um, this season. The to the two matches he played, he scored in. Um, he he hadn't ever scored in a EFL match. He's played he played nine previous competitions in the past mm -hmm. and has yet to score but in the past two he you know he scored really pretty early off 13th minute so it looked like it was going to be one of those matches where we just 
you know, run away with it because we're playing against Bournemouth. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, I don't, I don't want to discredit them because they're not, you know, they're still a um, Premier League team. But, um, you know, it, it shouldn't have gone the way it went. And um, I think that in the second half, we got absolutely dominated. Um, I don't think we played well at all. And, um, of course, Bournemouth scoring in the 90th minute. Um, and for, I mean, what do you think about that yellow card for the celebration for, uh, Gosling? I mean, he went into the, he went into the stands and celebrated with the fans of Bournemouth and he got a yellow card for that. I mean, like that's so undeserving for a yellow card. That's, that's football, right? I mean, this is where I kind of stand with it. I remember, uh, Raheem Sterling actually, I mean, ironically enough, he scored against Bournemouth. He received the second yellow card for celebrating with the fans. Like, I don't like that. See, this, I mean, is, this is this is the issue I have with it is football is a game of passion. Yeah. And more passionate than the players oftentimes are the fans. I mean, and I'm, I'm going to, you know, kind of put myself into the shoes of a Bournemouth fan mm-hmm. making the trek to London um, to watch, you know, to watch an away match at Stanford Bridge. And you're sitting through 90 minutes of just like on the edge of your seat you know, you deserve to celebrate with your with your player. You know, after that amazing shot. I mean, it was it was a really nice it was goal. A great goal wasn't it? And uh, I mean, yeah, he just nailed it right into the. I think it was the right side of the goal, and it was just, yeah. um, you know, that's just the that's the that's literally like the embodiment of football. Exactly, yeah, and I mean, I think to get a yellow card. I mean, it didn't really affect the game much, but of course, I mean, I just I just thought that was stupid. I think I think if they go over the top with celebrating with the fans, then it's an issue. I think I didn't think player, he did. If the player runs to the fans and you know gives them a hug for you know however long an extended period of time, maybe ten seconds or so, like let them celebrate. Because mm-hmm. here, here's how I see it: if the player's not running into the crowd celebrating with the fans and wasting time, he's gonna run to his teammates and celebrate with them and waste time. So like, it's just I don't know. I, I see the sentiment, like I get it. Like, yes, the players and the fans, or the the players need to be a little bit more professional in that respect. But again, it's a ninety minute game tying goal in in a cup match quarterfinal. I, I don't understand. Yeah, I, I don't. I don't think it deserved the yellow. But yeah, yeah, yeah. the great thing about that, I mean, I I watched that goal go in, and I was like, we suck. I mean, like, like we, I can't believe how poorly we played, and we just. We're gonna get another, you know, thirty minutes of probably so poor so football. football, and seventy-five seconds later, our hero, oh, Murata. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like we've just I I I don't want to talk about it more, but I mean, I think we should just mention it. How Murata and Hazard play together. I mean that that flick that Hazard Good gave. Flicks. Yeah, yeah, and I mean. Like, how important is their relationship? Because, I mean, I feel like when we don't have both of them playing, we just don't score. They, I said it before and I'll say it again. I think the type of striker that Murata is, you know, very technically gifted, um, pretty pacey, good in the air, great at link-up play. I just think that Murata's game complements Hazard's so well and Hazard's complements his so well. Um, when we did have Diego Costa, it did our attack did look one-dimensional at times. Um it consisted of Hazard, you know, dribbling a couple defenders, playing a pass into Diego Costa, and then just playing bully ball from there. With Morata, it's a little bit more different. It's 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 more finesse. It's more 
pleasing to the eye. It's more it's it's more classy overall. Um, whether Morata is a better striker than Diego Costa, that's a debate for a different day, right? Um, but again, their relationship is just it's imperative for this Chelsea team's success. I mean, we've seen when one of them is not firing or one of them's not in the side, we do tend to struggle, um, especially against the bottom half of the table teams or, you know, lower half of the table teams. Um, so our next match is against Arsenal. Well, yeah, and I mean... I want to talk about this for a bit because for me, this is very, very personal. Yeah. Um, we have to get one over Arsenal now. I mean, they've had our number for the last couple of matches, as much as I hate to say it. So, January 10th is the day, Sam. Do you fancy our chances? Well, I have a question. So, I want to clarify. I'm not sure. Okay. So, after after Murata's goal, he did that celebration of, you know, putting the ball in his uh, in his shirt, and he got suspended a match. Was that the Everton oh, match, yeah. or is he is he going to be suspended for the Arsenal match? No, no, no. He he didn't play the Everton match. Okay, the, I yeah. I didn't know I didn't know if he didn't play the Everton match because of an injury or arrest or if it was because of the suspension. I, no, I wasn't. It, it so was, Murata is gonna be playing, right? Against yeah, Arsenal. Yeah, yeah. If he's healthy, he's if he's healthy, he plays. Yeah, I mean he's I think he is healthy after looking at him play today. He's he's definitely healthy right now. Yeah. So I mean. Um. So I mean. Give Give me your Give me your prediction going into this match. I mean, do you, do you think do you think we do you think we're gonna one up them? Of course. I mean, I can't. I'm gonna go into it thinking that you know we need we need some payback for the FA Cup um, earlier this season. It was not a good not a good match for us at all. Um, and you know, I think I think the it's this is a a the main focus of this match should be Murata versus Lacazette, two you know big name strikers that recently came in this year for I mean this season for a you know hefty hefty transfer fee um, both have been living up to how much money they uh receive for the transfer mm -hmm. so I think that it's pretty much going to be whichever one of those two plays better um is going to take is going to you know give the win to their to their squad I see it differently I, I think the last couple of times we played Arsenal we really got um dominated especially on the wings Arsene Wenger likes to play three center backs now because, you know, we did because we did yeah, <laughs> basically. Um, but their, their wing backs had our number. I mean, the last time we played them, Kolasinac and, and, and Bellerin just ran us ragged, especially with Bellerin's pace. They, they fed on Alonso that match. So mm -hmm. hopefully Alonso keeps his run of form up because if he does, I actually fancy Alonso's chances over Hector Bellerin next time we play them. Um, but I think that's the key battle is, is, is who wins the battle of the width, you know, who could spread the field out the most and stretch that back three and find gaps because both teams have the players that could punish back lines. Yeah. Um, another thing to, to, to look at is, you know, I know there's been a lot of transfer rumors about Alexis Sanchez and Mesut Ozil, So hopefully one of them gets sold before we play. <laughs> that would be nice. Um, preferably Alexis Sanchez cause Ozil's crap. Mm -hmm. Um, the transfer window opens before that, right? Yes, uh, January 1st. Okay, perfect. Yeah, okay, yeah, it's the 10th. So, um, you know, ho hopefully something happens. I honestly, per I personally don't think nothing will. I, I think Alexis is going to let his contract run out and, and jump ship to City. Right. Um, I think, uh, well, I think we'll, we'll talk more about this match and we'll do a full preview um, in our next episode because um, we're going to be doing, we're going to be recording on a, on a Tuesday or a Monday. Mm -hmm. This is going to be on the 10th, so... Um, definitely 
look out for that episode. We'll we'll talk about that then. Um, also, just one last note on this uh, Chelsea Bournemouth game. Mm-hmm. You know, those last two goals were the only two shots on target for the second half for the whole game for either team. Those last two goals were the only shots on target in the second half. I promise you. For us. No, for the the whole match in Bournemouth, the, the Bournemouth goal and Chelsea's goal were the only two shots on target in the second half. That's absurd. Yeah. Yeah. And so I mean that that's that was the kind of match it was. Uh so let's let's move on to uh, Chelsea Everton cuz that that was probably one of the most infuriating matches I've watched um this whole season. Like absolutely just dominated them and walked away with with zero I mean with one point. Um zero goals scored. I mean yeah, so I mean before we dive into it just Morata obviously suspended like we talked about. So we we actually lined up a little uh, differently than we normally do. Um we actually played with the false 9, 3-4-3. Three, three. So we had Rudiger, Christensen and Aspi in the back. No um, striker at all. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh Hazard, Pedro and William up top with Hazard playing the false 9. Then we had Alonso and Moses on the wings with Bakayoko and Kanté holding down the midfield. But something that's interesting about this match um and, and, and I know it's not in our script, but I just kind of want to men- mention it. Um, Hudson Adoy was on the bench, and he's mm-hmm. actually been tearing it up for the development squad. Um, he's averaging basically a goal and an assist a match. So wow. good to see him on the bench. This is someone to look out for. Keep your eyes open. But yeah, and if if he were to play, he would he would uh surpass uh Ampadu for the youngest player to play um this season. Uh, now that's a stat. Yeah. That's actually impressive, Sam, because I'm looking at your computer and you you didn't look that one up. No, actually, no, I knew that. You yeah, knew that. So yeah. Props to you. Um, yeah, those two. So I mean, we 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 possibly could be fielding the two youngest players to play um, this season. Yeah, and, and that's in in uh you know season where hopefully we end up second. I'd like to, I'd like to see Hudson Doy. Um, I actually rate him. He's he, he he's class. Um, I think he'll become a pretty good player. I mean, if not for Chelsea, for someone else, but. I definitely think he'll make the jump to professional footballer. Um, but really quick, you know, this false nine, we looked so dangerous, and and we're creating chances. But it's, I mean, I'm looking at these these possession stats: sixty eight percent possession compared to Everton's thirty two, twenty five total shots, eight of them on target, compared to Everton's five shots, zero, zero on target. Zero um, on target. We, that we just that is so unreal. We completed more than double the amount of passes that Everton did, and this stat is absolutely staggering. Guess how many clearances Everton had? It's I think it's more infuriating than staggering, but I, I don't know the number. Give me the number. Just, just give me a guess. Fifteen. Way more. Thirty. Way more. Fifty-five. Fifty-six clearances. 56, 5, 6. That's absurd. I mean, that's... That's just... I can't even begin to comprehend. 56 clearances. I mean, they sat so deep. Yeah. And they kept their defensive that, shape I mean, that so was their... Well. We know that was their plan the whole time. Yeah, I mean, yeah, yeah. And, and, and the thing I just... The reason why I said this was one of the most infuriating matches was because 
we played with a false nine striker. I mean, not even really a striker. So when we had sit back, that's the ideal lineup is to have a three-pronged attack with Hazard playing centrally. And all we did was cross the ball in to no striker. There was no one there who could finish it. I don't... I just didn't get what was going on. I think it was a little bit of uh, of a, a little bit of desperate of being desperate, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I think we did get desperate as the game went on because we didn't have that target man in the box, and this is, I mean, obviously losing Morata is big in a match like this, but yeah, it's surely like Conte's substitutions in this match just kind of bothered me, you know? Like he saw that it wasn't working in the first half. And maybe, you know, the first 15, 20 minutes of the second half, we didn't get our breakthrough that we needed. That's the time to throw Nietzsche in. Mm-hmm. I forget who said it, but I'm I'm pretty sure it was one of the Chelsea legends. But they but they alluded to the fact that, you know, sometimes you just you just need to score an ugly goal. Yeah. Um and Michi is the king of that. Yeah, and, and and Michi is the king of scoring a really, really ugly goal. And But very timely always. Um I mean that that's what I think that we know where this conversation is going right now because, you know, we obviously were playing a match where we needed a striker, just someone who could just direct the ball in from all of these crosses we were we were given in. And obviously, you know, he didn't get the start. Uh, Batshuayi didn't get stubbed in until like the 77th minute, I think, or 71st minute. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean... Again, like why just why does Conte not trust him in these kind of matches? I mean, he's with with him being our only option. Uh, I don't want to go and criticize Conte and say like, oh, he's a shitty you know man manager because I mean we're not there at the training sessions. We don't see what happens at Cobham on the training pitch. I know there has been talk of Michi not being the sharpest tool in the box. Um. And that's that just seems like a cop out for me because I mean you got guys like Marilyn Fellaini getting significant playing time you know here and there and that guy's a fucking dumbass. There's no way Michi Batshuayi is dumber than him. But but like the whole IQ thing just doesn't make sense to me. I mean what's maybe, wrong what's wrong with the Belgian education system? Man, you guys got to step your game up. Maybe maybe it has something to do with you know I I, I don't know because Michi for me has all the attributes to succeed in the Premier League. He's a very physical striker. Um, he's clinical in the box. He's good with the, he's good in the air and with his feet. And he just has a knack for scoring ugly goals. And I feel like the Premier League is, is known for ugly-ass goals, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I I hope we see him again soon. But, I mean, clearly Conte, Conte doesn't doesn't trust him. And so I mean, it just begs the question: Like, do do we need another striker? I was summer? I was just about to say. I mean, obviously we do need another striker, but I would my I think my que- my question, which is a little bit more like specific, is that our number one like goal, like like for this transfer window, like is that our number one concern to address the lack of uh, depth at the striker position, or um, is there something else that's more important that you think we should address? I think picking up a striker is crucial i mean heading into the second half of the season yeah we definitely need another center back though for sure we have we don't have enough right that's i think that's our number one concern i mean we have six center backs that could all do a job for us now (laughs) stepping into form but Uh, but i mean for me i think i think we definitely do need a striker i know we'll talk about it a little bit more next week um in our transfer pod but i think i think not dipping money i mean i mean not dipping into our pockets 
it would actually be a smarter move this summer. I, I this excuse me this summer this January. I think we should recall Tammy Abraham from loan. Give him half a season in a Chelsea shirt. Um, let's see how he works with Conte's system. Um, he's a little he's he's a little different than Michi Batshuayi. Obviously, Tammy Abraham's a little bit more athletic. Um, technically, he's a little bit better in my opinion. Um, but he doesn't have the same finishing ability and poaching ability Batshuayi has. Batshuayi just has a knack for finding himself in goal scoring positions, and Tammy Abraham. You know, although he is younger, he he's not as much of a poacher as Michi is. I do. I would love to have Tammy Abraham back. I say, why not give him a shot? And if you don't trust Michi Batshuayi so much, why don't we try Hudson Odoi? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, alongside Hazard. I mean, not not to replace him, but alongside him at least. Um, it, it's still it, it's very confusing to me, and and it's it's the biggest Chelsea mystery in the last couple of years. Um, obviously he came under a lot of criticism. You know, I know, I know Jamie Redknapp said something along the lines of what the hell was he thinking? Mm-hmm. And usually I would say fuck Jamie Redknapp, but in this case, I, I think the Chelsea fans need an ex- an explanation. Right. I, I really think we I, do. I'm just calling it right now. I, I promise you our biggest transfer of, of January will be getting another center back. that'll be our biggest one. I, I don't, I just it it infuriates me i don't know why we're stockpiling on center backs and so short on wings so sh- i mean our wing backs are i mean obviously our wing backs are inconsistent we have such great great talent but they don't perform every game I th- I and think, uh i, I mean think, i think the opposite i mean i think zapacosta is pretty inconsistent but yeah and he played <laughs> so poorly in this Everton match yeah got subbed in what in the in the which I think it was like in the 80th minute or yeah it was the 80th minute with like 10 or 15 minutes to go and he just oh my god I mean there was just one build-up play that I thought this is it this is the goal just amazing passes and he got it on the right wing and he clipped it all the way to the I mean it he he hit it straight in front of him I mean 40th row I, I I couldn't I I I I thought I had to rewind it and make sure like I wasn't seeing things. Um, that was just so bad, and his overall play was poor. And uh-huh. I just and I I've, I I don't know why, like, coming into this, I thought like that was the one thing he did well, cross the ball, and he hasn't done that well at all for us this season. I Zapacosta is another confusing situation for me because. He has matches where he looks where he looks brilliant. I think the best match he played for us so far was a match where he played left wing back. I thought he looked really good, but we did talk about him when we bought him, and he was kind. He he was an unknown commodity, right? Like nobody really knew much about him. All we knew was that he had tons of pace and he loved to get forward and whip balls into the box. Yeah, maybe he's just one of those players that blows hot and cold. Um, there are footballers like that. I mean. We were just talking about Michi. Look at Michi. Michi will go and bag a hat trick in the Carabao Cup and then step onto the Premier League pitch and stink it up, you know? I think I think it could be one of those situations. I Again, I'd like to see him succeed because I think Zapacosa could succeed in the Premier League, but for a team like Chelsea, the standard that we hold our players in and that we expect them to play with I don't know. It's still it's still up in the air, and and the jury's still out on him. What do you think? I mean, I I I said pretty much how I feel about him right now. It's he has not been doing the one thing we got him for, and um, 
and I think again, um, he could he couldn't really do much in this match because he had ten minutes to really, you know, try to whip the ball to an in, in, in a non-existent striker. I mean, at this point, Mishi was subbed in, but um, I think he he looked out of it too. He had a couple like nice. Uh, he held up the ball pretty well, which was like again like that's that's the one thing that I always. Uh, crap on him for is his inability to hold up play at all but um he actually didn't look too bad um, i can't I, I i can't do that i can't take that from him yeah zapacosta does zapacosta i mean i just have to say it because it kind of bothers me he does this thing where when he runs out of ideas he just kind of pokes the ball 10 15 yards in front of him and mm-hmm. then just tries to beat his defender 1v1 with pace and for me that's schoolboy Mm-hmm. Like I know, I know the Premier League. You could get away with that. I mean, a lot of players do. I mean, look at Mo Salah, for example. I mean, that guy's uh, case in point of tapping the ball in front of you and beating your man one v one. But I mean, maybe I'm doing Mo Salah an injustice because he, I actually rate him. But that bothers me, man. And it just something. Somebody has to say something to him. I, I'm not ripping Zapacosta because, again, like I'm obviously rooting for him. I'm a Chelsea fan. I'm not going to root against any of our players. But yeah. We he needs to perform and he needs to perform soon otherwise you know in the summertime the board's going to be you know reviewing his position and maybe maybe we find cover for him maybe we send him out on loan maybe we even sell him um so who knows but i want to talk about this brighton game um yeah but do you have any final like points you want to make about this everton match i just think that conte is too um reluctant to make a change like soon enough i think he that is his one flaw Mm -hmm. because i mean he's obviously such a great manager and he's he's really good at setting lineups um for the beginning of the match but i don't think he's ever made a sub in the like at halftime Mourinho or, is notorious for that. Yeah, Mourinho, Mourinho would hook someone off at the half and and make a change immediately. And that's and that's like a good that's that's watching the first half, realizing oh this isn't working we need to change it up a little bit and making the decision. A change of the system, right? More and importantly, and I think that Conte kind of thinks that he made the right decision in the beginning, wants mm-hmm. to let it ride out for a little bit longer, and then he's like, all right, it's not working, and then he switches it up but it's too little too late. We have 20 minutes left to salvage a match that should have been, you know, on our side. Um, but, you know, this is this, this is me nitpicking at this point. Um, just there's the just thought. the small thing. I mean, since we're going off final thoughts, it's, it's obvious we can't – we just can't – it's simple. We cannot afford to dominate teams and not get a result, especially at the same time United is dropping points. Um <laughs> You know, I mean, first might be out of reach, but like, let let's see that second spot. Like, it's still a competition. We're still fighting for prize money and bragging rights. Mm-hmm. Um, where I stand with with you know the way Conte sets up his teams, obviously, you know the three five two has benefited us greatly, right? I mean, it puts Hazard in a central position, and we've seen him at his best of uh, playing as that you know false nine behind the striker. The three four three is a great shape when we want to go after teams. But sometimes teams figure you out and teams could shut it down. And that's what Everton did. I mean, look, 56 clearances. That me- Those clearances, that's, that's not a joke. They're getting their defenders in the right places. They're cutting off passing lanes. That means that there's no, that there's no Chelsea players open in the box. My main criticism of Antonio Conte throughout this whole season 
his reluctance to change the system. And when I mean change the system, not between three four three and three five two, not throwing Fabregas on as a number ten, mm-hmm. um, you know, not not playing Danny Drinkwater as an eight. Maybe let's try four at the back. Let's go four three three. Yes, let's, I. Let's lock it down. Let's play four four I've, two. I'm. I don't know why I forgot to mention that. Um, but I really wanted to say that during this ever for about this Everton match because, um. We were dominating them so bad defensively, like so hard. Yeah. And um, obviously, they're like we weren't able to create anything off the sides, off the wings. So we needed to start creating things in the middle, and that's where I think we could have switched to um, four back mm-hmm. and put in another midfielder like Drinkwater or um, you know, just s- to just put a runner in there, right? Someone that could just get the ball to the wings and and then, I mean. This it was just begging this it was begging for Bachelai. It yeah. was honestly begging for Bachelai. And I think if we did go four three three and we put Hazard out wide and you know maybe a Pedro or William on the other side with Bachelai up the middle. I'm really happy you mentioned that four back because I was that was literally a thought that went through my head and I have that written down, but that, that, I forgot to mention it. Because when you know when your wing backs aren't aren't producing um you know, maybe making that switch to four three three that puts your more creative players out on the flanks in one v one situations mm-hmm. because it's, you know, obviously you have your 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 two outside your two wing backs turn into outside backs and they sit deeper. Yeah. You know, maybe those overlapping runs help. I mean, the the three four three is great and all. Don't get me wrong. I, I'm a I'm a huge fan of it and I get excited whenever I see it. But adjustments mid match. It's not yeah. like let's start switching to a you know a new formation where we have four back because obviously we have. We have the personnel. I mean, our center back is our strongest position. If we can play three of them in, our best lineup like, is with three center backs. Yeah, there's no beating around. So, no beating around that bush. but if we if we're in a match where literally the other team hasn't got a, a shot on target the whole match, and we're all there's obviously sitting so far back and we're dominating them, like just put in to take out one of the mid center backs. Let you know, or let um Aspie play as a, a right, right back. back. Yeah, push him out wide. Maybe yeah, put and Alonzo on the other flank. And yeah, and then bomb forward. Like, right, you have to play ugly to win in this league. And I think last year, you know, we were lucky with the lack of 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 European competition. You know, we didn't have to rotate the squad much, and and we could play our best eleven week in and week out. And a game like this where, you know, Murata's out and, and you know, we have to make do without our, our marquee, you know, goal scorer. If if plan A doesn't work, you got to have plan B. And if plan B doesn't work, you got to have plan C. And it looked like in this game that we only had a plan A. Yeah, see, you know, because – and that, I think, you know, not just in this match. I think this whole season – We've only had a plan A. Because I'm looking at I'm looking at the right now the leading goal scorers in in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. You know Liverpool. They've got they've got three guys in the top twelve: Coutinho, um, Salah, and uh, Firmino. You know, yeah, but yeah. but all all three of them are have uh, seven goals or more. And then of course, I mean Man City goes without saying. They have Sterling, Aguero, um, Gabriel Jesus, all above eight goals. We have. Murata, who just broke uh, double digits today mm-hmm. with 10. And then after that, our second leading scorer is Marcos Alonso with five. And Eden Hazard also with five goals. So, I mean, it looks at this point like we have only a plan A. And that's Alvaro Murata scoring us goals while everyone else just... Provides. Yeah, provides or prevents other the other team from scoring. 
And um, I think that's just, I mean, if we're going to look at how how we play versus how the other teams in the in the league are playing, I mean, even Man, Man United, like, I mean, Lukaku somehow has 10 goals right now um, after playing so poorly. But, I mean, also Lingard today scored two huge goals. He has six in the season. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Mar- Martial also has six goals. Rashford, I think, has f- uh, five goals. Um, you know, these are we need more people who can score for us and it's just not working. I don't know why I saw somewhere. Um, somebody said that, you know, we never really replaced Frank Lampard. No. Oh yeah. As a primary goal scoring midfield. We don't. And I think that's a really good point that nobody talks about because yes, we do have a, at times a world-class center mid in Cesc Fabregas. I mean, his passing ability is ridiculous, but, but has he honest, scored? I mean, he's, he scored two goals a, this he's, season, I think. He's not a goal scorer. That's not who he is. If you're asking Cesc yeah. Fabregas to score goals, you're asking him to do something that he's not meant to do. Like, and I think that's why we went so hard for Ross Barkley um, over this, this transfer window, yeah, because he, 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 he is... Yeah, I mean, I think he... I, I don't know. I I don't know why I have so much praise for him. Like I think it's well, it's very him, unwarranted. When his head's right, I mean, he looks like a like a proper player. But again, is is he really Chelsea standard? Could you see him know. starting over Fabregas? Would you start him over Fabregas? In, no. In, in, let's say a Champions League match. I would or... start him along him, you know, alongside him. I wouldn't start him instead of him because, I mean, like you said, we're not asking Fabregas to score goals. We're asking him to create goals. And yeah, if if we yeah. take him out, then you know that that's just making that's just a handicap on Ross Barkley too if we end up getting him, but I mean maybe I don't Loftus know. Cheek maybe maybe Loftus Cheek next year could do that for us. I mean maybe right. he could come in and score goals because I know at Crystal Palace he's been there. He I mean ever since Wilfried Zaha came back he's been their best player. But Loftus Cheek has been you know crucial for them all season long in the, in in the center of the midfield and he's actually been playing like a number eight role, sort of a box to box player. Mm-hmm. He's believe it or not he's up there. Um, in terms of uh, uh, completed dribbles and take-ons completed. So, wow. you know, he's a guy that could run at defenses and, and, and open up spaces and cause havoc. So, I don't know. I mean, we are getting a little bit off topic. But, but I mean, but we have the transfer window coming up and – you know, our, by our next episode, it'll already be a couple of days into the transfer window. So, so you know, it's it's good that we're talking about sooner. it a little bit I right now. It sooner rather than later, though, because we do have a tendency to wait till late in the transfer window. But yeah, well, all of the you know good, fresh eggs are already gone, and, and we're stuck. You better believe with, we uh, will get players because Conte- paying a fat money for Zapacosta who hasn't done what? Okay, yeah. So let's go. Uh, let's. <laughs> I mean, Conte Conte has said he, that we have you know all the intentions of buying. A player at least in the transfer window so cool hopefully we bring tammy abraham back hashtag bring tammy back i would love it let's get that trending i would be so so pleased if we got tammy abraham back um but let's move on to this brighton game because mm-hmm. i already tried to move on to it before but you uh graciously backtracked um <laughs> so i don't know if i want to talk about the first half to be completely honest yeah we looked really lethargic not nothing much really happened it's, looked, it's not we, even warrants for like arsenal in the first half oh. we looked like we had all the possession in the world but no teeth right front, and it was very visible so i mean obviously like we just it just looked like we had a lack of of, of desire in the final third from Morata, hazard and fabregas obviously yeah. they made us eat our words going into the second half but I yeah the, the spaniards giving us 
some hope again. I want to talk about Marcus Alonso's game. Ah. Uh-huh. Five goals from a wing back position, you know, before the new year is absurd. And you know, we were just talking about plan A, B, and C, whatever. We cannot rely on Marcus Alonso. <laughs> he's our five goals. He, he's our plan B right now. I mean, I mean, if we let's see it this way: if Marcus Alonso stops scoring goals now, we probably wouldn't be nicking results. We wouldn't have beaten Tottenham, right? No. Um, and we wouldn't have beaten Southampton either. No. So he has to keep scoring goals for us to win, and and that can't happen because. You can't expect a wing back to be a consistent goal scorer. That that, that just he almost had can't. two today. Yeah, well, he almost he had three to be honest. Because I mean, the, when he scored, he he almost scored right before that, and then he also had a, an amazing free kick. Um, that was that was saved, really nice save. But um, I love him. I, I mean, Marco Alonso. He has he has ten goals this year, right? This I, calendar year. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's the most for any defender in the Premier League. So I mean, just saying that. I mean, having that as our uh, third option is not necessarily a bad thing when you when you look at the when you compare him to other defenders in the Premier League, mm-hmm. but I just he he can't be the third option. It's just not right. I mean, do you think he's approaching his full potential? Do you yeah. think he's fulfilling oh, it? Because absolutely. We, we, I mean, we talk about his form, right? And, and when you talk about form, you're usually talking about a short period of time. But he seemed to sustain um, solid form for. I mean basically this whole season um so do you think he's he's reaching his potential how how much potential do you think he has i think that's a more important question i don't think i mean right now he's playing to way farther than his expectations than when we got him Mm -hmm. and i think that if 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 he surpassed our expectations at that point there's nothing stopping him from you know surpassing our expectations at this point and my expectations at this point are that he's playing the best he's going to be playing right mm-hmm. now but i wouldn't be surprised if he steps up his you know there's 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 he's not the complete wing back he he scores he, he has an amazing a little bit defensively right and he and his crossing hasn't been um across the ball yeah it hasn't, you think and you think one of the best left feet in right in, in the premier league which i think is safe to say because his mm-hmm. left foot is wicked but you know you, you have a left foot like that and you have the technique to do that at six foot one six foot two however tall he is because he is a tall guy why doesn't he whip in crosses more i don't know it doesn't make sense and he and you even saw it today like there was a lot there was a, a, lo- a couple possessions where um he got the ball deep into the into the wing and he it was it was pr- it was pretty far out and uh deep to the uh to the back line as well but um just never delivered a good cross either it, he would hit it out of bounds or straight into a defender um but still i mean that that's what i'm saying it's it's he does a lot of things very well and a couple things not very well and if he's able to improve on those things he'll be the perfect and ideal wing back yeah I- I agree with everything you said. Um, I do think he has a little, you know, some things of his game that he could work on. I mean, obviously crossing the ball for one. I think he could cross. He, when he does cross the ball, he usually puts the ball right on a silver platter for someone. Mm-hmm. And i just like to see him do that a little more. Obviously, defensively in 1v1 situations, he struggles because when he's at top speed, he's quick. Um, or he's fast, but he's not quick. Uh, it takes a while for the wheels to get going and for him to really, you know, break into his full stride. 
Um, but yeah, I mean, you you mentioned serving it on a silver platter. Yeah. Um, you know, who does that better than who's been doing that better than Cesar Cesar this season? Dave has been that connection to Marada. We have seen that exact goal six times this season. Uh, that 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 ball and the kind of through ball like it's like a clipped like it, it's almost like a clipped ball but it has some whip on it and it's oh yeah i can't i don't know how to describe it, it but it, you it, know it everyone everyone listening knows exactly what i'm talking about because there's been six of them this season yeah and that's that's tied right now for the most uh a chelsea player has assisted to another chelsea player mm-hmm. in a single season the other two being um Another Spanish connection, Fabregas da Costa in 2014-15. Mm-hmm. And uh, my my favorite duo probably of all time, Lampard and Drogba in 2009-2010. Uh, and, I mean, we're we're just at the end of December. You, there's, there's definitely going to surpass that. And it looks like, honestly, that's one of the few ways that we're going to be able to score. Yeah. And, I, I mean, six, six out of Murata's 10 goals have come from that. It's... It's crazy to think about because, I mean, the people praising Aspi on Twitter are the same people who roasted him when he played wingback, and the excuse for him not being able to play wingback for them was that he can't cross the ball. And well, maybe he just, can't. Maybe he can't cross from the from a winger position. I mean, all of the balls have come. I refuse to from, believe that. I mean, all of his balls have come from more of the center of the field and over the defensive line, and I think he's just perfected that to the point where. He's he's found his his natural position. He he's he was born to be a center back, and that ball is one of the. I mean that connection right there between, a lot, uh, Dave and Murata is one of the nicest connections in all the world. I think right now. Yeah, yeah, they do have this you know unique ability to create something out of nothing, and you got to give credit to both players because Murata's movement in those situations, I mean, is bar none. I think he's the best in the world when. You know, a center back has a ball in a deep position and Murata just peels off the back shoulder of the defender. It's something we haven't seen since the Drogba days. Um, Diego Costa didn't have that in his locker and neither did Fernando Torres before that. Um, you know, and and credit to Aspi as well because from those positions, he might be one of the most dangerous players in the league. He could whip that ball in with his eyes closed. And we've seen him whip it in from positions a little bit wider than he did today, positions a little bit more narrow. We've seen him whip it in from the left side, the right side. I mean, Aspie's class. I, I don't think we have to talk about him and, you know, how much we rate him because, you know, we go ahead and we talk about we, we talk about our best player, and that's Eden Hazard. Mm-hmm. And we talk about our most important player, and that's Ingolo Conte. But something that we that we don't mention is our most consistent player and the player that always flies under the radar. And that's definitely been Aspilicueta. Not on not on this podcast though. We we praise him all the time. No no no. In general, yes, you're I love, right. I, I love the man. But I, if, I, if I you guys want, everything. yeah, I think I think we give him more than enough praise. Like yeah. and and he he deserves it. And I mean, I I it's amazing how I I don't know if it's the Spanish connection between them or I mean just on our team in general. We've we've had twenty goals scored this season by Spanish players. That's not the most goals scored by Spanish players in just the Premier League. That's the most goals scored by Spanish players in any of Europe's big five divisions. Only Real Sociedad. Crazy. Only Real Sociedad has 20 goals as well. They've been killing it too, though. 
I, I just, that's, that's insane for me to think that we have the most goals scored by Spanish players. Um, I mean, it's not that surprising well, given far 11 Spanish. exactly. Anyways. Yeah, exactly. But I mean, just still like, I love it. I mean, that, the chemistry between all of them I is mean, amazing. When you really think about it, we have a Spaniard for almost every position. We have a Spanish center back. We have a Spanish wing back. We have a Spanish striker. We have a Spanish center midfielder. I mean, we could, we have a spine of Spaniards and I honestly don't have a problem with that. Um, especially considering the types of Spaniards we have. We, I mean, you look at the Spanish playing style and it's usually very technical and, and very organized. And, um, you know, you, you associate Spaniards with being good passers and playing beautiful football, but we got some grit. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah. Marcus Alonso was gritty. I mean, mm-hmm. the goal today he scored was gritty. Um, so not the prototypical not the Spaniards. Prototypical Spaniards. I mean, we got Pedro, who obviously he was on Barcelona. So, you know, some people will go ahead and say that he's a prototypical Spaniard, but he plays as a winger, but he, he makes the same runs as a number nine does. Mm-hmm. So, you know, he's, he's almost an inside forward more than a winger. And then you got Marcus Alonso, who's a wing back. I can't name another Spanish player that's a wing back besides Hector Bellerin. Uh-huh. Um, fuck Hector Bellerin. <laughs> but then, you know, like you got guys like Aspilicueta who is naturally a right back um, by trait, but is world-class as a center half. Um, guys like uh, Seth Crabbergast, who I think is actually the most stereotypical Spaniard that we have on our team, if you're talking about yeah. real football playing oh, yeah. styles. Not athletic. He's not good. Can't really get around <laughs> the pitch much. But when the ball's at his feet, he's a magician. Um, he could have gone to Arsenal, but he said, no, fuck that, right? Yeah, fuck um, that. And, and obviously Alvaro Morata, who I'm really excited to see in the World Cup because I think it's a big opportunity for him to get his name to mark his name down on um as one of the best strikers in the world if he does perform at the world cup um but yeah i mean it's really exciting to see our spanish players succeed at the club and it's great to see that the club recognized that you know the spanish formula is working Mm -hmm. and that you know a lot of the times we're being linked with spanish players or players that played in spain and are familiar with the playing style Mm -hmm. i want to talk about bakioko though yeah Um, because you know just quickly before we get into him Fabregas, great game. Conte, of course, amazing seven, game. Seven key passes, by the way, for Cesc Fabregas, and he and he and he had a hundred and eight completed passes. Yeah, amazing. Eden Hazard, another amazing game. Mm-hmm. Courtois, another clean sheet. Our defense played well. So okay. I think the only player that we need to talk about at this point is Bakayoko. Um, I want to talk about Gary Cahill, but yes, let's talk about Bakayoko <laughs> right now. Yeah. Um, defensively. Sure. And and this is where I stand with him. Defensively, as of late, he's been doing a job for us. Yeah, it's been he solid. Looks, I mean, I, we don't have to talk about his mobility and, and his and his versatility defensively. Offensively, boy, this man, this man has got no first how do, touch. How do I, I feel how do like I say this. He has two left feet, basically. He had he had a really nice ball to Hazard today. Mm-hmm. Um, that Hazard didn't, didn't uh, wasn't able to finish on, um, but like there was just there was another, but there was one goal in, or one attempt in particular, I can't even call it a shot, um, where Hazard just played with the defense, ran it straight to the goal line and um did a back heel to Bakioko. He had a wide open net, just had to hit it to the right side of the goal. He shanked that like no other. There's an absolute sitter. He shanked that. And um, I mean, it's just I just I'm I'm so getting so frustrated um seeing him 
in that midfield alongside uh, Conte and uh, and Fabregas because you know Conte is pretty much giving giving us the same thing Bakayoko gives us but at a much higher level mm-hmm. um, and you know Fabregas needs someone alongside him who's gonna score the goal when he passes it to him and I just think Bakayoko is not cutting it for me at this point and it's not it's not to say that he won't improve because he's he's so young but i think right now our perfect midfield three has i think it's without a doubt in my mind is fabregas and golo Conte and danny drinkwater yeah that, that's a good shout i think those three is are as as far as balance as far as complementing each other mm-hmm. um as far as just not having too much of a like you know compensating too much of you know either offense or defense i think that if, if we, when we see those three together that's uh that's that's the best balance we can get i'm uh i'm gonna backtrack for a second um i actually i i agree with you know your statement on like the fluidity of having drink water fabregas and golo in the midfield but I still think our best midfield three is Fabregas, Bakioko, and Golo Conte. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you're being a little harsh on Bakioko. Like, yeah, he is dreadful. Um, he is dreadful at putting the ball in the back of the net. Like, let's be honest. Uh, unless, unless it's with his head, I don't think the ball is going in the net, right? Right. Um, but I think at the same time, you look at his age. You look at his natural abilities. You look at him last season, too. You look at him last season, but not only that, you look at what he's elite at, and that's chasing runners down. That's knocking people off the ball. That's hard, That's tackling hard. That's nicking the ball off the opponent in the midfield. Uh, starting the counterattacks, driving the ball forward by dribbling. Um, I think asking – I think ripping him for being a shitty goal scorer is being a little harsh on him because – that's not who he is. And, like, we talk about Fabregas not being a goal scorer. Well, Bakayoko isn't either. And when you look at it, you know, in context, as a whole, none of our midfield – none of our midfield four, let's say, you know, counting drink water, none of those guys are goal scorers. None of those guys are going to give you five-plus goals a season. I mean, maybe Bakayoko, just because he gets himself in good in, – you know, in, in, in decent positions, he makes smart runs. He finds himself in good positions. It's just – the fact that he can't put the ball in the back of the net. And a lot of that alludes to his youth, that, that that's composure, that's mental, that's that's focus. You know, today he swung and he just absolutely shanked like, a, yeah. you know, like a little cutback, you know, uh, right on the penalty area. And that's focus. He takes his eye off the ball for a second and he swings and misses. That's all mental. And that's something that could be fixed. It's not a lack of an ability. It's not, it's not, you know, asking him to do something that that he can that he'll never be able to do. It's just asking him to do something that he cannot do right now. At right this now, point right. Time. Um, like his goal against uh, who was it? Was it West Ham, where he where he chipped the keeper and oh no no it was West uh, Brom. It was, it was Huddersfield. It was Huddersfield. Okay. His goal against Huddersfield was was nice, like a little chipped ball. I mean, obviously he had a little help from the defender, but uh-huh. like again, that's him getting himself in good positions. There's at least one or two points in a game in every match that he plays in where he gets himself in a solid spot to score a goal. He just needs to focus a little bit more. All of all of his all of the things that he lacks in on the football pitch allude to his mental 
his mental fortitude. Yeah, that's fair. Um, so that that's kind of where I stand on Bakioko. Um, that, that was you know I I always wanted to rant about that because <laughs> I feel like he does get slacked off for for nothing. But I want to talk about Gary Cahill really quick. Okay. Yeah. I know we're going over time and I know we're running out of time, but really quick, I thought Gary Cahill looked pretty solid as a center. As a middle of the back three, yeah. Um, although his touch at time, uh, he does look like a giraffe, <laughs> you know, with his first touch at times. But I actually liked him. Would you mind seeing him playing center back? No, I mean, I think he played that cleanup role pre- uh, pretty nice. Um, luckily, I mean, there wasn't too much pressure on us, um, so we, I don't think he was tested a lot. Mm-hmm. But um, I think he made all the right decisions. Um, he, he, I mean, it's the one thing that we always talk about is just his. You know, it's not necessarily his athleticism, but his ability to get into the right position. And um, he, he, I think he did a, a really well job. I mean, a really well job, really, guys. He did a really well job. Um, he played really, really well. He played, re- yeah, he did. But uh, just to encompass both of our thoughts, because I think we're on the same page. He played really well. We, 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 really both, well we both love Gary Cahill, and we know, and we don't need to talk about how good of a servant he's been to the club, but I trust him in any situation, in any competition that we play in. I just want to put that on record. Really well job, man. Really well job, Gary Cahill. Um, so we're running out of time, so let's kind of speed through this match preview against Stoke. Mm-hmm. Um, they currently sit 13th in the table. Um, they scored 23 goals, but conceded a league-high 41. Yeah, that's the second worst differential uh, in the in the Premier League right now. And you know the, their last five games, they have struggled. They only managed one win, one draw, and three losses. Um, t- two of those losses being absolute blowouts to both Tottenham and West Ham. So, I mean, just running through this really quick, we already played them before. Obviously, Murata, um, Murata was the difference maker with his hat trick the first time around. Mm-hmm. Now we're at the Bridge. Atmosphere is going to be on our side. They're losing their best player in Kurt Zuma, mm-hmm. um, who seemed to be the only bright spot defensively for them. So I guess the theme of this game is going to be exposing their shit back line. So would you go three four three? Yes or no? Yeah, yeah. I think I. And I mean, if, that's what we did. That's what we did the first time. So going off of that, and we want four no. Who would you have as your midfield pairing, and who would you have as a front three? I think. Uh, you know what? I'm I'm actually changing my mind. I'd go three five two. Really? Yeah, because I I want to see, I I really want to see that uh, Conte, Drinkwater, and Fabregas midfield. Um, I don't know. I I and I just think that with Murata and well, more like a it's not a three five two. It's more like a three five one one. Yeah. But um, I don't know. I just think that we see our best uh football like that. I mean, what do you what do you think? I think uh I think we need to go wide. I think width is going to be important and okay. the front foot is. They have a shit back line. They don't have any ball playing center back, so I think a high press is in order. And the only way to use the high press is when you have three attackers. So I'd go, I'd go Maratha up top. Obviously Hazard on one of the flanks, and then uh, I would get William in there. Um, mm-hmm. Mainly because he's really good at pressing, but also because he allows uh, Hazard to play further up the pitch because William likes to o- occupy that central role. So I'd go a midfield pairing of uh, Danny Drinkwater and N'Golo Conte. I want all the football purists to tear up when they see that because <laughs> I, we haven't seen it yet, and we haven't seen it in a Premier League match, and I I, I really want to see it. Um, we saw yeah. it for a little bit, not for a full match, though. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, you did see it for a little bit, but I want to see it from from the word go. And and Danny Drinkwater understands these, you know, these these grinded out matches against you know typical English sides that are very physical and get and you know we're gonna get kicked around a lot. And that's another key to this match is if we do get kicked around a lot, and when we do, I think it's more a matter of when, not if, but when we do get kicked around a lot, um, how do we respond to that? You know, surprisingly, the last time we played them. They only had five fouls, and we almost tripled that with fourteen fouls. Um, so that's uh, definitely something Conte put an emphasis on. Yeah. So I mean, but we we th- that's what Stoke is known for, but it we don't necessarily know whether it's going to happen or not. But to be fair, this Stoke team has not been Stoke like as of late. No. Mark Hughes is t- you know if, if you talking about his whole job in general, I mean he's done a decent job with the Stoke team, but this year they just suck. So. Maybe honestly, I don't think about it. Maybe it's a good idea to let Hazard rest for this match, so he doesn't get hurt. Yes and no. <laughs> yes. I mean, did you? I did you have you seen the picture from the last last season when we played Stoke? His uh his sock was like all torn up and bloody. bloody. Yeah. I Someone mean, stamped a hole through his boot. I think that. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm partially you know joking, partially serious, but maybe this is the match he can get some rest because, uh, I mean, have we seen? Have we seen uh, a front? I mean, if we end up doing three four three, have we seen uh, Hazard? I'm mean, sorry, Murata, Pedro, and William together I'm as the top sure three. Because that's injured, because that that oh yeah, definitely. We, we didn't really move into three five two until Hazard came back. You're right. William and Pedro can't really play those positions. Because I I would like to see that, and I mean, if I'm I'm partially joking, partially serious again, but um. I think that if if you know we know what what Stoke does, and uh, you know maybe maybe this could be a match that it, maybe we put him in a halftime. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So so what are you going? What's your prediction for this game? I mean, well, I I'm, think I'm well, gonna miss it because I'm gonna be in Mexico again. Oh, Mexico. nice. I'm gonna be getting shit faced on the beach. <laughs> you're gonna watch the game and you're gonna tell me what happened. Uh huh. I'll I'll be I'll be texting you the whole time. Um. I mean, for me, I think that if if we're able to uh, neutralize Shakiri, um, because he's he, I think he's their best player, um, and I mean Peter Crouch just notoriously has always been that guy to score those dirt, those ugly goals as you talked about earlier, mm-hmm. but um, I mean not obviously being at his age, he hasn't had the same season this season uh this year, but um, I think that we're going to get a lot of goals in because that's exactly what Stoke does. And uh, we might finish three nil three nil. Yeah. I'm going to go with three nil as well. Um, I don't think we have enough teeth in the attack. And I think defensively they're going to struggle so much to the point where they're just going to sit really deep and too deep to, to produce any sort of threatening counterattack, similar to the Everton game. Um, I'm going to say Morata is going to have another party two or three. I'm going to go with a Maratha hat trick and I'm going to go with three thumbs being sucked that day. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I'm going to go three nil as well. Yeah. I mean, he might, he might pull a Harry Kane. I mean, this Harry is, Kane is, is on a tear right now. Two, yeah, two straight hat tricks is, is 18 goals on it. I mean, he's, he's always been the one player on Tottenham that you haven't been afraid to give praise to, I think in the past couple of years. Yeah. And that's because he is the best goal scorer. He has yeah, been the be- he has been for the past two three seasons. He actually scored more goals in twenty seventeen than Messi and Ronaldo. That's amazing. That's that's yeah. that's incredible. Yeah. So um. And also, I last last point about this episode. I want to say, 
Oh man, that fucking Man United game. I was so happy when Burnley went up 2-0 and I I thought that it was, you know, going to be the done deal cuz they Man United did not look good and Lingard scored two goals in the second half including a like 91st minute goal. Oh man, that that would have that would have put us even as far as points with Man United. So right now we're sitting at third um with behind them by one point. Sean Dyche has just been phenomenal since coming into that Burnley side. Yeah, Burnley maybe props. Yeah, cuz cuz I thought maybe you literally have nothing going for you, but I thought maybe this was I thought maybe the beginning of the season was a fluke just because I mean they they did get a win off of us and then a couple easy easy matches, but I mean they looked really good against they, Man United today did. and I think that they're I mean they're not going to be the Leicester City of this season because they're definitely not winning at all. But I think, yeah, and I I think it I wouldn't be shocked if we saw them in the Champions League next season. Yeah, I mean, at this point in time, or Europa. I mean, probably most likely Europa, but I wouldn't be shocked. This is a late. This is a pretty uh, long podcast, so we're gonna put you out of your misery. Um, really quick, again, shout out to Tactics FC. Go follow them on Twitter. Um, go check out their website. Uh, they recommend a lot of good podcasts. So if you are a supporter of uh, a team in another country or uh, if you just like to you know expand your footballing knowledge go check them out they yeah and a lot of great podcasts also I, I i steal a lot of stats from people i never give credit but that 20 goal um for the for the spaniards uh that was from opta joe from opta sports no so one's, no one's gonna Still, I I feel bad. That was yeah, a, that was. A, I'm not. I'm not. I know. I'm not afraid of plagiarizing. I just want to give credit where credit's due. Yeah. So shout out off to Joe as well. Uh, make sure to follow us on SoundCloud. Uh, look for Roman's Empire Pod. Um, check us out on iTunes. We're on almost every third party app. So if you download a third party app, you can find us that way as well. How about second and fourth party? Do you, uh, do you think were we on that? I don't know. Why is it called third party? Because who's the first and second party? I don't think we'll ever know. I don't know. Chris from Denmark, help us out. Um, <laughs> he answers every one of our answer, questions. He answers every single one of our so, questions. So, yeah. So, the list is box. What's Boxing Day? What's Why is it third party? Who's the first and second party? And, uh, and is we there had an another. Andreas Christensen Day. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. And if not, do you think there should be? Um, yeah. Anyways, that ends our podcast. Um, we Finally. will see you next week. And uh, until then, Happy New Year and up the chills.